right, we are live today. Welcome to the Freedom Path Investors Podcast. We are a real estate investing podcast. This is not another guru podcast. We are full-time real estate investors with the core focus of building a rental portfolio of 100 doors over the next five years. And we started this here to share our journey with you. And we're having on our podcast, some of our mentors and peers that are helping us along the way. Uh, today, we have a very special guest. Uh, if you don't know him, he's one of the nation's uh, number one wholesaling mobile home park real estate experts and has acquired over $22.5 million of assets throughout his career. Without further ado, we have Mr. Chris Rue today. Thanks for doing this, brother. Hey, so, man. I appreciate you guys having me. Absolutely, man. So uh, we met you uh, last month at your, your mastermind event that you hosted down in Justin, Florida. And I got to say, man, the value that we walked away with was tremendous, man. You, you guys, put, you and your wife put on a really good event. Um, there was, what, 25, 30 uh, investors from around the country. You had some of the best uh, experts in the industry there. And uh, it was a ton of fun, man. Yeah. Let's see. We freezing up? Yep. Okay. I'm back. All right. We got you, man. There you go. All right. So I don't know if you cut out during our my little uh, intro there, Chris, but uh, what else should everybody know about you, man? Who's Chris Rude? <laughs> Chris Rude is a common man trying to do uncommon things. That's it, my brother. Uh, I'm, like just, it. I'm just a common man that, that is, uh, that's a really, really hard worker. And yep. I, I'm a no bullshit kind of guy that uh, that's very, very intentional. You can you either love me or hate me. I, I really don't give two shits. I know <laughs> what I want and I go after it and I, uh, I try to help people along the way. And yeah. And, and did I mention I'm, I'm an anti-communist? Uh, no, but if anybody follows you on social media, they're pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> Just wanted to throw that in there. Hey, uh, I think we're in the same boat with you, man. You see the flag behind us. We call ourselves the freedom path investors. So, uh, you have to do with uh, we're pro capitalists. How about that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Love it. So, uh, so Chris, you told us uh, when we met you at the mastermind, you were already an entrepreneur before you got into real estate. Uh, you had a pretty successful car business, but um, just talk a little bit about how you got started in the real estate investing and um, what your business looked like early on. So the way I got in started with uh, it's it's kind of a a long story, but I'll give you the fifty thousand foot view. So I've always been entrepreneurial since I was shit. I was in fourth, fifth grade. I was uh, selling baseball cards and basketball cards out of the back of my book sack, you know, selling the, the future of what I thought it would be worth in the future, like a Shaquille O'Neal card or a Michael Jordan card. Yeah. And I would sell it at a, at a profit. Right. And um, so I always had that entrepreneurial spirit of, of, of sales and, and, and wanting to uh, make a profit. From there, I always told myself I'm going to start my own business one day and my uh, my sophomore year in college, uh, I was working for my parents. I, I was working at ins and odd jobs, working at uh, as res at restaurants as a waiter and busboy. And I wanted to start my own business, and I I didn't know where to start. So I was like, "Shit, I'm just gonna I'm gonna think of something I can come up with." And my dad at the time I was working for him sent me to go get a, the oil change in one of his vehicles, and I went to the Quick Lube, and it was full of people in there, and people were complaining how long it was taking. And, and a light bulb went off on my head and I said, I bet you if I if I started an on-site oil change business, going to people's houses and going to their businesses, they wouldn't have to leave work and I could probably make some money while I was in college. So I talked to my dad about it. I asked him to borrow a hundred bucks. I borrowed a hundred bucks from him and bought a set of wrenches, uh, an oil bucket and a, and a filter wrench. 
Never knew how to change oil. Never changed oil before. No way. I, never. Yeah. And um, asked my dad to show me how to change oil. So I, my first oil change was on his truck. He showed me. It was pretty simple. You know, drain the oil plug, change the filter. From there, I went and, and uh, made some business cards. And I started going to all these different oil field fleet accounts, dropping off cards. Yeah. And uh, and telling everybody that I can do on-site oil change. Okay. It literally it literally uh, blew up overnight. I had more business than work that I knew what to do with, and I would go in between uh, class and college, in between hours, and I would go and change oil. And I got to a point where I was, by the time my senior year came around, I had I had evolved that into you know doing detail work, uh, car wash, wax, shampoo, and I got yeah. into auto glass repair. So fixing rock chips, replacing windshields. By the time I was a senior in college graduate, I was making 100 grand a year. At, at 20, I was 23 at the time, about to graduate college. And Did you go through college, or were you like, "I'm making all this money. What do I need this education for?" <laughs> well, I, I was already, I was already too invested. I was already almost. By the time I was making money, I was, a, I was a senior, right? I was like, "I'm not gonna quit now. Let me just finish." So I finished. I graduated in business, um, and then. While all my friends went and got jobs making, you know, 30, 40 grand a year, I was like, shit, I'm just going to scale what I'm doing. I'm already making 100 grand a year. So I went and I really just started pushing hard. I bought another trailer. I had like, I had two trailers, two trucks in the road doing on site all change. Did that for, you know, probably about a year and a half, two years. And I was like, I can't, I can't scale this anymore. Like, it's, it's, I'm chasing money. I, I, I said, I need a, lo I need a physical location. So, from there, but I didn't have the means or ways, but I started putting out feelers trying to get a quick lube that I can buy. Well, first opportunity came up. I found a motivated seller of a quick lube and um, he wasn't paying his rent. So she kicked him out. She put me in and okay. I basically I basically doubled my income overnight when I got a physical location. Wow. Then from there, I was like, okay, I want to scale this. I want to get three, four more locations. Uh, I was just running that spot, but I didn't, I didn't have the money to buy another location, but I was putting feelers out anyway. Well, an awesome, awesome opportunity from another motivated seller. A guy was on drugs, not paying his taxes. And one of the busiest streets in my town had a, a mechanic shop in Quick Lube that he, that he, I knew he was in a bind to sell because I knew people that worked there and I got in contact with him, came up with a price. Well, by the, by the grace of God, right around this, this time, I didn't have the money to, to put down. It was, I, I paid 860000 for it. The 20% down payment was uh, $135,000. I didn't have that down payment. But I had built a house, I think, three or four years prior to that, a little spec house. And this is, this is probably 2004. Well, up until that point, we had massive appreciation. If you guys know what the market did from 06 to 2008, like literally your house appraised every, you know, 10, 20% every four months. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was ridiculous. Well, what happened was in 2005, Katrina hit New Orleans and we had an in, a devastated New Orleans area. Everybody moved from New Orleans to Lafayette, Baton Rouge, Houston, and Atlanta. Well, yeah. market was already hot. Supply was low. Demand was super high. And that just compounded it. Demand went up even higher because there was no supply. And I saw the writing on the wall and I told my wife, I said, look, we should, we should put a, put our house for sale. So she agreed to, so we, we painted a couple of rooms, lands, landscaped the front, put it for sale. We sold it within like two weeks and we made $127,000 on our first flip at, 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 around, at 25 years old. I took nice. that, I took that money and I used it for the down payment to buy my first quick lube, my, well, my second quick lube with from there, I was like, okay, there's money in real estate. <laughs> <From> there, <laughs> yeah. 
your own business. Yeah. Yeah. So I said, but, but I'm still making good money with my quick loops. I don't want to stop doing that. So I bought a piece of land that I was going to build a house on, on the, on the bayou. If you don't know the bayou, it's not a river. It's not a Creek. It's like a muddy channel of water in South Louisiana. If, you, if you're from right. the North, but it was a very valuable piece of land, bought that, held on to that for three months, turned around and resold that made 30 or 30 or $40,000 on that. And at the same time, I took that money and I rolled that into investing back in my shops. And then I bought a, a pre foreclosure in another neighborhood from after we sold our house, we put about $60,000 into that. I, I stayed in it about a year and a couple months and we flipped that. I made $60,000 and I rolled that into another shop. So I was using so the house- real- Yes, yeah, I was using was- the flip game. I was flipping yeah. houses and rolling it into my business to buy more physical locations. Awesome. I did that. I did that a couple of times and I got, I got up to, I had bought like four locations, right? Well, two of them I bought and the other two I was leasing. Actually three, I bought one of them I was leasing. So I got real busy with that. I ended up flipping a bunch of properties, got really big, had 35 and 33, 35 employees and I had the biggest oil change quickly car wash location here in Lafayette. So I was like, hell, I'm going to, I'm focused on this because I'm making real good money, even though the, the real estate game is good. Focused on that, did that for a while, made a good bit of money, took all that money. I was like, okay, let's, this is probably two years later. Let's get back in the real estate game. I went, I was like, I read a rich dad, poor dad book. And I, and I was like, I want to get back into real estate. Well, I started buying single family homes with a realtor. And I was like, you know, making 20, 30 offers on MLS, buying properties at 80, 85 cents in the dollar. I thought I was cool. I thought I was a real estate investor. Now, what but, year was this at this point, Chris, when you started this diving is, in? This is 2000. 11 ish okay 2011 2012 okay yeah i, I bought so that's about three, yep. yeah that's when you started really diving into real estate much more that's yes that's when i went back into it i, I started I, I had did the you know i did the oil change thing for about three or four years focused on that did really well but i was like okay i got some money let's back, go back into real estate yeah started buying a bunch of single family homes through with a realtor making 20 30 offers you know buying 80, 85 cents on the dollar. Thought I was cool. I did that for two years, bought 33 single family homes. I think I had about three and a half, three million bucks worth of single family homes. I was making probably, you know, 12, 15 grand a month passive uh, income. And this is the economy's booming here in the South. The oil field was doing great. What 2014 came along and the oil went from $128 a barrel to $28 a barrel. I was no longer, I was no longer cool anymore. We lost tens of thousands of jobs. Um, we went from one of the Lafayette actually was ranked like top three best small cities to live in, economically speaking, for the best economy. And we in basic in, in the in the country. We were ranked oh, wow. number three. We were ranked number three at one time for small okay. cities for, for best economy. We went from the best economy to the to the number two worst economy. Oh wow. We Dang. lost tens of thousands of jobs. Everybody, you know, started moving out of Louisiana, moving to Florida, moving to Texas, looking for work. Well, I had, you know, I had these four locations, these shops, plus I had, you know, about 30, 25, 30 single family homes and people stopped paying rent. Yeah. I lost all my fleet accounts with the oil field because I'd say 60% of my business was oil field related because we had all these contracts with these oil field companies. All the oil field companies started going bankrupt, shutting their doors, selling off all their fleet accounts. I mean, I had hundreds of vehicles that would come through my store that were from the oil field. 
where they no longer had any more, any more business or any more money. So they just quit coming. My sales dropped every quarter and it got to the point where I was, I was breaking even and, and some months losing money. Well, mm-hmm. my half my renter stopped paying rent. So I, I'm, I'm freaking out But well, by the grace of God, uh, about, I would say about three to four months prior to the crash of 2014, the oil field crash, I found out about wholesaling. I was doing research about real estate investing on YouTube and a, a black guy came on and he was talking about wholesaling real estate. I was like, wholesaling real estate, what is that? That seems cool. So I started following him, watching his, his videos. I was like, shit, I can do that. Well, <laughs> I, I went and I actually wholesaled one of my properties that I had bought and made like a super small profit. I made $2,500 on one of the single family homes that I had bought. Yeah. And I was like, okay, there, there's, there's something to this. So I went and I, I went all in with training. I hired three mentors back to back to back. And I was going to say, your house is from agents, basically. I was going to ask you how you transitioned to the direct to seller market, but just dove straight into all the coaching and yeah, right well, into it. Well, I realized that buying single family homes on MLS and buying at 80, 85 cents on the dollar is not a good deal. I think a lot of people have a misconception of being a professional real estate investor of how deeply discounted you have to buy to handle the ebbs and flows of the, the crashes, the booms and the bust. Now that 80, that 80 to 85 cents on the dollar that I had bought pre 2014, the the equity I had in it evaporated because home prices came down that 15, 20% equity position I had, I was into the, all these properties, hundred percent, you know, loan to value and they weren't paying rent. So I was, I was screwed. I was upside down or, or at parity. I had no equity. Yeah. So I, I was pretty much screwed. I screwed myself. Um, like I said, by the grace of God, I was I was looking up wholesaling and wanted to, you know, kind of. Well, I say I was looking up real estate investing, came across wholesaling, and once I wholesaled my first deal, I hired three mentors back to back to back, and within 30 days of the first program that I bought, I had made. I'm sorry, yeah, it was like 30 days from the first program I bought. After I went through the program, the next 30 days after that, I made forty-seven thousand dollars on the side while still running my shops, wholesale. <laughs> And you're running a full-time business with 30 plus employees, man. That's, that's yep. nuts. Well, I had, uh, I had managers. I, I mean, I had managers at each, at each shop. So, I mean, I had help. I don't want to say I didn't have, I was doing it all on my own, yeah. um, but I was doing it on the side. And I once, so once I made that $47,000, it basically covered all my losses that I was having in my rentals. So wow. that, so wholesaling saved me from going BK. Hmm. So, but once I made that 47,000, I was like, I can make $47,000 on the side part-time no employees and and i can i can make this kind of money you know how many oil changes brake jobs tune-ups windshield repairs tires i got to change out to net forty seven thousand dollars a few thousand (laughs) that's a whole lot of work yeah that's a whole lot of work and not the the all the moving parts with the the people and them messing up stuff and the and the you know the customers complaining about this it's a lot of headache a lot of moving parts so i was like a light bulb went went off the light bulb went off in my head i said okay i'm i'm in the wrong business i went talk to all my managers i threw the keys at them i said hey listen guys don't call me unless somebody dies i'm not doing this no more i'm going to focus on something that makes money so i deep dive wholesaling well, it was the perfect environment to start wholesaling because all these foreclosures started coming on the market yeah. because everybody was losing their jobs. So it was just a perfect environment. 
Well, I literally, I started making 40, 50, 60, 70, $80,000 a month once I went full time. That's all I did. I was putting out bandit signs, talking with realtors, doing some direct mail, doing a bunch of Facebook ads, and I was freaking slaying it. And, and I, Man, and right. a lot of people I talk to, Chris, they've, they're afraid to make that investment into coaching or they, they've got a decent paying job and they're so afraid to let that go. Did you, was that ever house, into yes. the back of your head? Like, are you just saw, Nope, this is my path. This is, I, I'm going, I'm going all in on it. You know? Well, well I had proof of concept because I, I made $47,000 after, you know, after I went on my own and I was like, okay, this, this works. Right. So a lot of people don't have, they, the problem with most people that that want to hire don't want to hire a coach or they're scared to hire coaches that their, their self-confidence is low and they're they're skeptical which they should be right you know entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart you know what's the fail rate of entrepreneurs it's like 90 percent, right so it, it's it's going to be hard it's a tough journey but i already had a back the reason i was so successful out the gate is that i was already a successful entrepreneur i already had money to spend on marketing so it was a little less the, the barriers for me to get to or get through were a lot less harder compared to somebody that's maybe coming from a W two job, doesn't know how to run a business, doesn't know how to talk to people. So yes, it's going to be a lot harder for somebody that doesn't have those skills, right? You need you, you need certain entrepreneurial skills to make this business go right, just like any business. Yeah. So I, I took off with that business, and I did so well in, in with the coaching programs that I had that they the, they asked me to go work in their sales department, selling coaching. <laughs> My mentors wow. because I. Because I was posting checks, I was posting forty thousand dollar checks, twenty thousand dollar checks, and and uh, you know all the students were asking me all kind of questions like, how do I do this? How do I do that? You, you're killing the game. So the coaches asked, hey Chris, why don't you come sell for us? So I did that for about six months, and I freaking I slayed the sales guy because I I know how to talk to you. I already had a background in sales, right? I, I I slayed the sales department, and then it got to a point where I was. I was making these other coaching companies rich, you know, and doing this and that for them and helping them. And I realized that they were all coming. I was selling and they were asking me questions after, you know, after I'm selling, I might as well be just doing this shit on my own. Right. And I realized that I was a better, and I realized that I was a better investor than my own coaches after, you know, after finding out working for, them, I was like, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I need to be doing this on my own. So that's, that's what catapulted me in the coaching game. And then so, I, I, you know, I matched the, you know, I started doing the wholesaling and flipping and then from there and the coaching and then from there I started scaling out to, you know, I mastered my backyard. I was doing probably six to 10 deals a month here in Lafayette when I first started. And then I went and I started expanding. I started going to Baton Rouge, which was an hour out from Lafayette. Then, you know, I kept expanding and kept expanding from there. Um, I wholesaled for about two years. And took all the money that I was making from my wholesaling business basically to, to, you know, live off of and to lick my wounds off the money I was losing off of my shops and the single okay. family homes. So I slowly started selling off all these single family homes that I was at either parity or reverse or upside down. Lost money. I lost probably I lost forty thousand dollars on a house last year. Wow. You know, from and I, lo I lost another fifteen thousand on the house that I, that I bought seven, eight years ago, uh, about a month ago. So, so I did, only, did the housing market where you were holding your rentals, did it never recover back to the it point? Never. never really it was a single economy. It was oil, right? That's all and, oil. And once that went, there went the the demand for housing there. Well, the demand for hot, you know, for for housing definitely went down. And yeah. basically, I had to take a huge haircut, and I and I had to lick my wounds. I just started selling off. Now I did make a little bit of money on some of the houses that I bought, right? But most. Most of them, I either you know broke even, made 
two grand, five grand, and in some of them I took some serious losses on. Like I said, the twenty thousand or fifteen thousand on one a couple months ago, I lost forty thousand on another one, um, or last year. And I got a piece of property I was supposed to build a car wash on um, that I bought that I'm probably a hundred thousand dollars upside down on. So I tell I tell you this because I want you to learn because there's no lessons in when you when, if a guru comes on and all he talks about how much he wins, run. <laughs> He's full of shit. He's full of shit, folks. That's funny. I mean, I wanted to ask you uh, what were some of the tough lessons or mistakes you made early on? I think you kind of just gave away a few of them. But was it uh, was it investing too much in the single family market that made you made this shift to these bigger deals that you're doing now? Or? No, no. I mean, look, I, I do think people should probably start off with single family homes because it's a good entry point. Yeah. Uh, and, then, and then it depends on the market you're in. Maybe there, there may not be any apartments or mobile home parks in your area. That may not be the, 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 you know, the, the real estate in your market, right? There is no right or wrong answer. I mean, single family homes are definitely harder to scale. I like mobile home parks yeah. just from, the, you know, just from the, the pure standpoint of everything's cheaper to fix. But if that's, all, if, if that's what you're, you have in your backyard, definitely invest in that first. But let me tell you guys the main – all this builds up to – to, to this point, you grossly underestimate how cheap you need to buy properties for when you're in, when you're buying and holding. Yeah. Like you should you take it for me. You have to go direct to seller. You want to bypass the realtors. If if look if it's on MLS and there's hundreds of eyeballs looking at it, thousands, it's not a deal, folks. Yeah. yeah. The more yeah. eyeballs, the more eyeballs that look at it, it drives the price up. Yeah. You're trying to be the only eyeballs on it. That's where the deals are at direct to seller marketing. I realized that wholesaling is the foundation of real estate investing. It's the ABCs, the one, two, threes. Why? Because without a good deal, you ain't got nothing. And a good deal doesn't mean buying at 80 to 90 cents on the dollar. Now, that's relatively speaking. Some of you guys, I may watch this from California and New York. If you buy a property 80 cents on the dollar, it's a million dollar property. That's probably a good deal. I'm talking about middle America. I'm talking yeah. about your 150 to 200,000 dollar house. 80 cents on the dollar is not good enough when you're becoming an investor. I'm sorry. You, That's you exactly where we're at. We're right in the middle of America, that 100 to 250 million yeah. price range where we're in. Um, I, I see everything you're talking about, man. People think they're getting into the game, just hiring an agent and going and overpaying for houses. We see it every day, man. That's so, why yeah. Would, yeah. Why would you hire an agent? Why did, How does an agent know more about investing? Than somebody that's an investor. Why wouldn't you go to see an investor to ask them how they scale their? It's the funniest thing because I always told the same thing, and that's what I did. I went and got a realtor. The realtor doesn't know jack shit about investing. That's why she's a realtor. You know what's funny? So I got into the game, Chris. I I joined a big national coaching program, and that's how I got started in real estate. And one of the first systems they taught us was the MLS offer system. Go find yourself a good agent and start making offers on the MLS. Like I just paid all this money for somebody to tell me that, you know? Well, I think a lot of people got lucky because the market was on an upswing at one point, a really high upswing. So you could buy a property at X amount of dollars and then be over budget on the rehab or whatever and still win because the house darn appreciated in six months before you sold it. Well, like, like you said too, I mean, a lot of these gurus started coming out when it was that easy, you know, the foreclosures were everywhere. You could pick them off left and right, you know? It's, it's not like that these days. So, no. um, yeah, it's all about the direct seller, man. It, it, it all goes to back to direct to seller and, and finding a deal. If you ain't got a good deal, you ain't got shit. That, that's the foundation. That's why I wrote the book called The Source of the Deal, right? You have to become the source of the deal, meaning you got to get the deals yourself. Now, yeah. I'm not saying that you can't find deals from realtors. 
I still buy deals from realtors every now and then. I still sure. buy mobile home parks from realtors every now and then. But but the mass the, the mass majority of the properties we're buying are direct to seller, off market, direct to seller marketing. But those agents are usually bringing them directly to you because yeah. you are an authority. Yes. In the that well that let me okay I'm glad you brought that up that's a great point. Uh, so let me distinguish what I because I don't want to I don't want to discredit realtors they will bring you good deals but they only a good deal if they're off market and they're a pocket listing. If you're the first person looking at it, yes, then it's a good deal. But if if they're bringing you a deal that it's on MLS and it's been on MLS for six months, three months, it's not a good deal, folks. Yeah, yeah. Why has it been sitting out there? It's just got some stink on it for some that's reason. That's right. No. That's good stuff. Hey, we got a couple people chiming in here. Alex Helbig. Hey, what's up? Happy to be here. Blake, no censoring, Rude. Don't have to worry about that here, man. <laughs> we are unapologetic, patriotic real estate investors. That's right. So, um, so Chris, I mean, you've, man, you, you just gave us pretty much the whole story here up until now, man. What At what point here did you begin to scale up and like you told us about becoming a dynamic investor, at what point did you start to make that transition? Yeah. So here's the thing. Like I, I, I'm anti-guru. Like I listen to people on social media and I, and I, I listen because I'm in the trenches, folks. Like I, blood, sweat and tears. I do deals. I'm still on the road looking at properties. I looked at two mobile home parks yesterday, me and my wife. Like I'm not in some ivory tower smoking a fucking cigar, taking pictures in Lambos. That's all horse shit. Yeah. Horse shit. I'm in the trenches. So I know what works and what doesn't work. And I know what when I hear some gurus say, do this or do that, or that you should act like this or don't do that. I know it's horseshit. Cause I'm like, that doesn't work. You're lying. Cause I'm in the trenches. So I'm telling you this because when, when you're, when you're becoming a real estate investor, you have to pay attention to what you're doing in a sense of what really works and what doesn't really work. Cause there's a lot of misinformation, right? So, when I'm when I'm going and, and I'm and I'm looking at properties, I have to understand that I, me as an investor, I know what I'm looking at because I've been there before and I've looked at hundreds of properties, thousands of properties, and that's how you develop the skill set. The way out is through. Meaning, how do you develop a skill? Right, right here, a skill. Yeah. A skill is something you do hundreds of thousands, you know, thousands of times till you dial in what exactly works. So you have to get out there and grind. Like there's no secret. Like, yes, a mentor is going to dial in the, you know, the, the, what you should look at and, and maybe what you shouldn't look at to help you narrow, narrow down that skill set. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to put in massive amounts of work. There is nothing easy. Anything yeah. that makes money is hard. That's why it's rare and valuable. Get that in your head, folks. Anything that's rare and valuable is hard. That's why gold is hard to find. Why diamonds are hard to mine. Because it's hard to find, right? Just like a motivated seller. It's hard to find a motivated seller. That's why it's valuable. Yeah. So do the hard work and, and understand that you can do more. Just like I want to get back to what you're saying. This ties into being a dynamic investor. You can do more than just wholesaling, folks. I know you get all these gurus telling you, focus on one thing. Only right. do one thing. That's horseshit. Real well, estate. Yeah, right here, and there's big deals right here and there. Like, you're just missing out, man. So. Yeah, I, I focus just now. I do agree. You should master wholesaling and focus on wholesaling first because it gives you direct access to the best deals. You were at my mastermind, so when I wrote that vertical V, the invert, that, that V, because it starts with direct to seller market, then it opens up into everything else, opportunities like land development, everything else, right? So yes. 
you have to, you can't just be in wholesaling. If, if that's all you do is wholesaling, it's great that you should start off with that, but you have to understand that like you should be wholesaling. You should learn how to raise private money so you can flip properties. Then you should learn how to get into the land development game, you know, right? Then you should learn how to do, you know, rental properties. It's not necessarily going off in all kinds of different directions because it's still in the same wheelhouse. It's yeah. not like you're going off and starting a whole nother business. You, there's so many different ways to make money in real estate and you need to have at least three to five to six revenue streams to become a professional real estate investor. Otherwise, you're going to do like this when it comes to cash flow, right? Yeah. Because wholesaling is really hard, you know, it slows yeah, I mean, down. That Go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, we've, we've realized this too. I mean, we, wholesaling is our, one of our core focuses. We're also building a rental portfolio and doing some flips. Um, we don't have the, a huge rehab team built out. So we've partnered on a, a couple other people with, that do. We've brought them the deal, partnered up JV, do some yeah. wholesales or some flips that way. You know, um, you don't have to do it all, like you said, but you can make strategic partnerships and start to scale your business that way. Yeah. That's something we're trying to do. Talk about your team a little bit, Chris, because you don't have a yep. huge team, do you? And you're doing all this no. stuff. So we're yeah, we're we're in uh, we're in about six markets. We were in eight markets before COVID, but I, I backed off the six the, the the best markets that we kept, and we got rid of two. So we have three girls in the office in South Louisiana here in Lafayette that handle the the rental. One handles the rental portfolio. Uh, one handles a lot of the online marketing that we do. Mm -hmm. Another girl does a lot of letters and she helps out with the kids. So, I, you know, we kind of, I, I wrap my whole, my whole life around real estate and, and I've organized my life to scale. So we homeschool all of our kids. All of our kids are at our office along with the three girls. Great. Yeah, I love five. that. I've got, <laughs> yeah, I've got five, five kids. Yep. yep. So I, cause I want to control their environment. I want to control everything so I can control Cause I mean, School these days, it's like prison for kids, and now they they making them wear diapers every face diapers everywhere they go. It's just it's it's ridiculous. So they um, what what we do is is we organize everything to where we can have the life we want. I control my kids' environment. We have three girls at the office. We have a, a teacher, a nanny, um, office girls that that are running you know deal flow, marketing, letters, uh, collecting rent. We have about three hundred fifty doors. We're looking to buy you know a couple more parks here soon. I've been buying about a, a mobile home park almost every month, every other month. Um, so that those three girls handle, so the leads come into the office, then yeah. they get, they get quarterbacked to the different partners that we have in the markets. And if yeah. you came to the mastermind, you, you'd probably talk to a couple of my partners that were at the mastermind. Yeah. We just quarterback those leads from the main office and we qualify them for motivation, equity, location. And if it's a good lead, we just, we send it out to, you know, our partner in, in, in Florida, or our partner in, in, in Alabama, or our partner in Baton Rouge, our partner in Lake Charles, Louisiana. And, it, and anything that's local where I'm at, I just, I'll, I'll handle lead flow locally. And then I would, I, and I, I'm in charge of, uh, you know, going to see the mobile home parks, anything that's, that's multifamily. I, I, I handle all that unless it's really far away in Florida, then I'll get my partner. To You're doing the high level acquisition stuff. That's yes. what you want. Yes. Yeah. And that's what yes. the CD should be as the high level. Yeah, yeah. I, I, all the you know multi million dollar projects. I can't send an acquisition guy that's that's just good at sales that doesn't even own any properties. He doesn't know what he's looking at. Like if you don't own, like all these guys saying, "Oh, you you still working, Rude? Why are you not getting everybody to do that for you, dude?" Like you, you can't send a low level guy to go talk to a high level guy. 
that owns millions of dollars of real estate. He's not going to take you serious. That's this is the secret to how I get all these deals. I'm in the trenches. I'm 39 years old. I'm I'm young. I'm still going to go hustle. I'm still, dude. I, I'm trying to put it in now, right? And, right. Yeah. And who's going to negotiate it better than me, right? So I bring, and my secret weapon is I bring my wife with me. You know, and we look like a team. Mm-hmm. The, the 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 usually the, the people we're buying this from are burnout landlords. They're they're um, they're older people. They're, they're the baby boomer generation. Me and my wife, we we go meet with them. They end up liking us, and we get these deals, and we get them for a screaming hot deal, right? Yeah. So, you, I'm so I'm the tip of the spear when it comes to the multifamily mobile home parks acquisitions, and then the wholesaling and flipping. My wife does a whole lot of the flipping locally. If we yeah. flip in properties here in Lafayette, um, I'm, she's I'm, an agent. And she's an agent, right? Yeah. Yep. And she's an agent. Yep. And then um, I have a I have a guy that works for me on the coaching side that handles lead flow for the coaching students. And then we we you know we have a couple short term vacation rentals on the beach that we use to do masterminds, which you guys just came to. So you yep, see yep. how and I, I've got a couple of land development multi million dollar land development deals going on right now. You yeah. don't have to just flip. You don't have to just wholesale. Like. Learn to be a dynamic investor. It's not that complicated. As long as you have a good deal, if you're buying a deal at 50 cents on the dollar, it's kind of hard to lose. You right. gotta, you, you can mess up a lot, right? right? And a lot of you guys that are getting into wholesale and you're getting like a track of 20, 30 acres and you don't even know what to do with it. If you'd partner up with a land development guy, you could probably make a half a million to $700,000, but you don't even know what you're looking at. And I'm saying this because I did the same thing. I was throwing away tracks of land. I didn't even know what I was looking at. Yeah, uh, that's something we were right. doing until we came to your mastermind last month. So now we know what to do with those things. <laughs> let's uh, exactly. let's talk about, let's talk about affordable housing a little bit, Chris. There's a big push to that right now because of the mortgage forbearance and everything that's coming up in the market. So, um, like in, in St. Louis, single families is very affordable. So we're probably gonna stick to that strategy, but it's not the same way in every single market. So can you, can you kind of touch on that and, and how that's affecting your investment strategy? Yeah, I mean, look at the end of the day. I, I don't, I'm not that smart. Like I'm really, what I am is as I, I listen, like I, I watch and I listen because I just can't figure out things. I just, I, I'm not aware enough. What I, I am aware enough to know that I don't know. Right? Sure. So I watch people and what they're doing. I watch the big, big players, Warren Buffett, right? He's the top of the totem pole. What is he investing in? He's investing in affordable housing. He bought out Clayton mobile homes. He bought out that other big uh, mobile home distribution. He's buying up major huge mobile home parks across the country blackstone the biggest hedge fund in the world one of the biggest hedge funds in the world just announced that they they put 500 million dollars into buying mobile home parks here i think 30 it was about maybe 60 days ago so and now granted i was doing all this you know i've been investing in mobile homes for three years now mobile home parks because i was basically I saw the writing on the wall. I, I knew that it was hard to make single family homes cash flow when, when an AC unit breaks, it's seven grand or the roof goes, it's eight, nine grand. Well, I wanted, I wanted something that I could get into and, and, I, and I, 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 I YouTube mobile home parks. There wasn't a whole lot on there, but I was like, this has got to be very lucrative because if Warren, I wrote, a, I read an article probably five years ago that Warren Buffett was investing in mobile home parks and it always stuck. And when I got the, that's, that's where it started. That was about five years ago. I remember him reading an article about him, and I was like, I'd like to buy a mobile home park because we have a bunch here in Louisiana. Well, an opportunity came up from a realtor, a pocket listing, and I bought my first mobile home park for 405000 and it appraised for 750000 It was a 24-unit. Wow. So I bought that, um, rehabbed it, 
uh, I, 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 it took me about eight months to finish rehab, and I, it, I took the rent from seventy five hundred to fifteen five, and I'm all into the park for about six hundred thousand. So I got six hundred thousand dollars worth of debt. Well, I say debt. I'm, I, I paid cash for the rehab, so I'm I still. I only owe like probably right now, probably only about three seventy five on it. But I'm getting fifteen thousand five hundred apartments. Don't do that. No. I, single family homes don't do that. And what I've noticed just by the trial of, you know, just by trial and error is that everything is cheaper to fix, right? And they stay there longer. Okay. And, and now here's the problem. The, this is the barrier to entry, but it's a great barrier because once you get into that barrier, then you have a, nit, a niche, right? It's hard to get a loan, which, which, which is what? It's great for me because it, it's hard for people. There's no competition, right? <laughs> So I'm <laughs> you love it. <laughs> so so I'm going around buying all these parks. Now a lot of people locally who know me are trying to buy parks now because they see what I'm doing and nationally. But once you get hooked up with the banks, and the secret is it's not it's not big banks to get loans. You have to you have to build relationships with the smaller community banks and yeah. the fam, the family owned banks. And then once you're you're in with them, you're golden. Because then they they see what the, the cash flow potential is on those. Uh, Chris, you mentioned that you paid cash for the rehab on that park. Do the banks not like to loan for the rehab money on these type of deals, or it's just cheaper to go that route? Well, they—I I don't think—I—I I don't think they. I'm trying to remember that deal. I mean, that was that deal was like three and a half years ago. I bought that. I don't think they wanted to give me any more money because I didn't have to put any money down. By the way, that's the beautiful thing about about about. Uh, smaller community banks they'll work with you i literally put zero money down in that park wow. I, so i bought it with no money down and i just what i did was i took the rent the money that the positive cash flow rent that came in plus whatever profits i made from my wholesaling my flipping my coaching company and we just rolled that into the hard asset and you just keep rolling all your cash flow into your passive cash flow and what happens is you actively will work yourself out of actively having to flip and wholesale because you got more path passive income then you have active income so that the secret is is to take all your active income whatever it is wholesaling flipping land development coaching brokerages realtors all the different wheels on the on the on the spoke right the spokes on the wheel of, of real estate investing and you roll that into passive instruments right that that spit out cash flow and if you do that for long enough you you'll actively work yourself out of a job right like you won't have you 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 become financially you know wealthy right and that's right. that's what I've done. And now, Grant, I'm not financially where I want to be yet, but I know at the current trajectory that I'm doing, that eventually, I, I won't have to like, I'll, like literally, I'll have more passive income than active income. And that, I think that's the goal for a lot of people. You know, when you have when you're oh, I think we're lost. Yep. Yeah, Am I back? You're yeah. good. You're good. Okay. When your passive income exceeds your active income, then you're you've made it, right? Yeah. Well, you're probably not too far off, brother. How much? Uh, <laughs> how far are you going to take this thing, man? I mean, do you eventually see yourself just focusing on coaching at one point, or? No. I listen. I love the game of real estate investing. It's it's a game, just like anything else, guys. Like it's no different than going and playing soccer, baseball, or basketball or football, right? Yeah. I love I love the game. I, I don't think I'll ever stop, you know, trying, you know, I have, you know, I have a number in my mind. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm 39, I, I, you know, by the time I'm 55, I put a number, I want to make a million dollars a month passive by the time I'm 55. Right. I think, 
if I go hard enough, I think I can do it, right? Now, that's, yeah. that's the game, right? Now, do you really think people that are playing a game like that, when they, if, they, if I'm 55 and I'm making a million bucks a month passively, do you really think I'm like, oh, the game's over, I'm done? No. <laughs> it's just you're going to get into a bigger game, right? Yeah. yeah. That's all it is. So it's the active pursuit of your chasing your goals and accomplishing those goals, the smaller goals to get to the bigger goal that gives you the fulfillment and gives you purpose in life because it gives you something to chase. Right. Yeah. You know, that resonates a lot with, we sat down with uh, one of our mentors last week and he pretty much said the same thing. He's at that point where he's in his fifties now where you want to get to at that point, he doesn't have to work a day anymore if he doesn't want to, but he's, he's elevated his team around him. So he, he exited out of that CEO mode being the boss a long time ago. And it seems like you've done that as well, where you've built up a really solid team around you where it's not like you're a bottleneck in your business. Everything's got to run through you. Right. Um, you are focused on doing what you love the most, bringing your family along for the ride. Yeah. And uh, you, you're going to keep going, man. It's pretty beautiful stuff, dude. Love it. I think one. I think one of the funniest things of the whole entire mastermind, Chris, that we were at, where you're like, I don't even know what's going on with these mobile home parks. I got the girls in the office; they take care of everything. <laughs> I just buy the deal. <laughs> and that's and and I stay in my lane, right? I, I that's I give them total autonomy and freedom. I let them create their own system because it's okay. not. It's I let them own their position, right? Like, stop trying to like boss hog everything and create a system that you love. Well, maybe the people that are working it don't love that system, right? I know I'm good at acquisitions and finding a deal. And, and once I do that, I pass it along to them and they do their thing and it's working. I see the money collected every month where cash flow positive. You know, we have problems just like anybody else and on the rehab side where, you know, you, you, you get a bad couple of workers every now and then because they, they like that, that funny stuff that goes up their nose every now and then and it turns into a mess. And, um, you know, it, it, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I stay in my lane, right? I stay in my lane and I stay and I keep doing what I'm good at and what fulfills me and what makes me happy. Yeah. And that's acquisitions and finding new mobile home parks, new, new apartments. And, uh, we bring our whole family along. I homeschool my kids, you know, come with us or, you know, my shit, my kids, you saw that my kids were running around the whole time during the mastermind. Cause I want to create an environment of that's all they yeah. know and they don't know anything better. Right. Right. You're putting, I mean, you're exposing them to an environment that 99% of other kids are never going to no. have. I mean, they're, getting to rub elbows with some high level people and see different places all the time. It's, that's pretty awesome what you got going on, man. Yeah. Uh, Chris, talk a little bit about uh, mindset here. You, you, you talk a lot about it. 80% of it, what we learned at the mastermind and everybody came back to mindset. It seems like you've mastered it, but um, I'm sure it wasn't always like that for you. Oh, but no, okay. man. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody that tells you that they're just totally on uh, tap with uh, mindset. I mean, Totally on tap with mindset is uh, they're lying to you, right? Especially when you when you first getting started as an entrepreneur. We're for the most part when you're born, everybody's pretty much insecure. If anybody sits there and tells you they have the most high level mindset growing up, no matter what, I, I, I would I would I would say they're lying, right? Um, well, aren't people just born champions? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Yep, I, I got some oceanfront property in uh, Tennessee also. So, um, <laughs> but I, I think, I think the name of the game for entrepreneurship, the, the de facto thing that people are missing and why most people are, are successful or not successful is personal development. 
working yeah. on yourself all the time. And that's what I've, I could say I've honestly done different than 99% of the people out there. And I watch other high-level guys, and they've done the same thing. I've spent more money on personal development than you probably would, but then most people would even uh, could, they, they would think I was probably crazy, right? Probably, probably more than you want to tell the audience. I'm sure. <laughs> well, I, I would, I would say, I, yeah, I, I, I don't. You may think I'm crazy if I tell you how much money I've spent in personal development, but I mean, it just, it is the de facto factor that's keeping you from scaling your business right and when i say personal development what do, what do you mean by that right i mean you know developing yourself to the point where you have an unshakable mindset of certainty direction and intention about what you want and you can't be shaken right you can't come up to chris root and say hey you're a stupid redneck from south louisiana and i don't like you and uh who, you got that funny accent and you're you know who do you think you are you're dumb as rocks like it would, it doesn't matter. Like it, it, I'm, I'm unshakable because I know who I am because I've worked on myself hard enough that I've, I've hardened myself so much that you can't, you, you can't penetrate the minds that I've built for myself. So now how do, how do you do that? Right. How do you get to that point? You, you're going to have to get around other people that are thinking bigger than you that are, that have that iron mindset. And cause you know, iron sharpens iron, right? So you get, you go to masterminds, like what you guys did with the mastermind. That's, that's personal development. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. That reading books, right. Hiring mentors, getting your, 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 not just your mental state in check, but your physical state. Right. You know, working out, um, you know, tithing, doing, doing, there's a lot of different things you could do, but at the end of the day, you, it, you, it's an inside job. You're going to have to trick yourself because like I told you guys, the mastermind, right. You got to know you're the baddest motherfucker in the room, no matter what, right. It doesn't matter what the other guy thinks, as long as you know, that you're the baddest motherfucker and he's not, that's all that counts. That That's a hard thing for people to grasp, right? Because whatever you believe and whatever you put your attention on magnifies. Yeah. Everything is energy. So if you don't believe that you're a bad motherfucker, you don't believe that you deserve it, you don't believe this, you don't believe that because of the current circumstances, the way you were raised, then that's what you're going to get more of, right? It's the law of attraction. It, it's, it's the... Uh, it, it's the visualization part of who do you want to be, right? You and are you control of the real estate in between your ears, man. That's Absol absolutely. And in the in the in what you think manifests in life. I don't. I'm not gonna get all hocus pocus on y'all, but everything that I've ever wanted in life, I thought it up first, and I yeah. believed it hard enough, and I psyched myself out to know I deserved it, and it showed up in my life. Now, did I have to work for it? Absolutely. But the harder I work, the luckier I get. It's the strangest thing. And I'm very intentional. I put it in my mind that I want it, and I just keep moving and moving. And I just and if things get harder, just put it in the low gear. Just keep taking the next step, and then things open up. And then what I do on top of that is because as soon as you start reaching for your goals and dreams, you're going to get attacked by people that don't want you to have what, what, what you want because they've given up on themselves. They're very insecure. So this goes back to what I talked to you guys about in the, the mastermind environment. Mm -hmm. Dude, yeah, environment. Over and over, for sure. You, you could be the, the, the baddest dude on the block mentally, and, and you, you, you're really, you know, you got a lot of horsepower in your mind, and you like, you really know what you want. You're very intentional. But if you're around a bunch of low life deadbeats that are constantly, you know, chipping away at your, you know, what you're trying to do and invalidating your dreams and, and your goals, you're going to you're going to start self-sabotaging yourself because you're going to start believing what they say. You know, Chris, uh, one of the biggest takeaways uh, 
from the weekend we spent with you was at the end, you and your wife got up there and talked about just having a rock solid partnership and marriage. And um, it seems like all everything you just talked about there, um, you've been able to block out those external forces because you guys are not only best friends, like childhood sweethearts, but you support each other 100% in your business because you, you like you got like you talked about with visual visualization there you something you and your wife have been practicing for years correct yep yeah and i just want to add too like i know that the buzzword is authentic but you could tell like you guys weren't just doing that as performance because you guys were in tune to one another the entire time i was watching you guys were you know making sure everything was coordinated properly all the even the lunches were delivered and you're super cordial with one another it wasn't like you were phony at all and i, I really respected you guys a lot after first meeting you and, and then how you sat down with the group and, and really hammered home that message of being a good spouse and a good husband. I thought that yeah. was great. Yeah, totally. I totally. appreciate that. And that's how it should be, right? That's how the, the problem with a lot of couples is that one's going in one direction, the other's going in the other direction. A lot of that is because one grows without the other, right? You have to grow together. Like you got to bring your wife, you got to, you got to do stuff with her on the personal development side, bring it to masterminds, bring it to a, you know, a, a conference or something and you'll see, cause you got to get her drinking the Kool-Aid, right? You, <laughs> you, and, and that's what I did. I mean, you just got it. My wife wasn't always on board. You know, I, I tricked her. I tricked her into coming to a mastermind by promising I'd buy her a Chanel purse. And then she loved the mastermind so much. She didn't even leave to go buy the Chanel purse because she was so hooked on the mastermind because you don't know, cause you don't know what you don't know. Right. Because you think Our that's all like, phony. I'm going to get a bit more expensive purse now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. It, but uh, no, it, it, look, I, I, you know, me and my wife, we, we um, like, we fight just like anybody else. We have our arguments just like anybody else. Um, but at, at the, at the end of the day, we know that we have each other's backs and we know that she's, a, she's my biggest cheerleader. She pushes me hard. Like, Really, the reason I can reach so far and so hard and I try to go reach for my dreams because she 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 pushes me hard and she expects that. Right. And and she she pushes she pushes me harder than I push myself sometimes or I'll invalidate myself or think I can't do that. And she'll laugh like you seriously think you can't do that. So if you have a wife like that, then, you know, then because she's a little feisty girl. Let me get wrong. She's feisty. Like you don't really know her. She'll cut your throat. Right. <laughs> so you but, call her uh, Big Mama Rude for no reason, man. Right. That's right. She's a little chihuahua with a big bark. So, <laughs> <laughs> so she can be mean sometimes, but you, but you just got to be real with one another. Like, dude, you're playing the game of, of husband and wife and it's and, it, and it's a business. Right. I look at my marriage as a business. Right. How much attention do we put into our, you know, our relationship? Because if you don't, if you 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 guys watch too many Hollywood stories and y'all watch like uh, these fake movies where like you're just going to get married to your high school sweetheart or are you going to blonde hair, blue eyed, drop dead gorgeous and the sex will be awesome for years and everything's great. You ain't going to have no problems. Dude, marriage is like running a business. You're going to have cash flow problems, meaning like you're going to fight and your relationship's not going to do good. Then you're going to you're going to you're going to make up and have some great sex and then you're going to find out she uh she spent more money on her credit card than you were that you allowed. Dude, you're gonna have massive problems. But yeah. your ability to ride out the storm for the long haul is gonna make your marriage stronger and stronger and stronger. Right? I mean, how many times me and my wife probably almost got divorced? Shit. I mean, like just like every other couple, you know, you have a fight, like, I don't know if this is gonna work, right? But we just kept doing the right thing. Kept doing the right thing. 
kept doing the right thing and our life got better and better and better and better, right? Until you get into a power position, right? To where you're finally making some money, you're finally doing well, and you're happy with one another. But like I said before, the way out is through, guys. Like, you got to do the hard work. You got you you to get through the hard fights. And the key is to stay true to one another and don't – If the biggest problem I see is, is people cheating, man. People cheat. Like, the people I know that cheat on their wives is, is unbelievable. And this is why they don't have a rock-solid marriage because even if they still love their wife, in the back of their mind, they know they're banging their high school – one of their high school girlfriends and she doesn't know about it. It doesn't matter if she doesn't know about it. You know about it. You will never be able to have the relationship that you want. You will never be able to reach your potential if you got those skeletons in the closet. So I think if you just real with your wife and you, um, you, you don't have any secrets, like we don't have any secrets, zero secrets. That is the secret to a, to a great marriage is zero secrets. And if you do have a, a secret, just come out and say it, have the fight over it, make up, and I promise you your marriage will get back to somewhat normality. Way better than holding it in and then – letting things melt down. I mean, you can do all this hustling and work your ass off to make all this money and build this portfolio, whatever you're trying to do. But if you don't have that shared vision with each other and you're out screwing around and you're not, you're not operating with a moral code and doing things ethically, like what's, what's the point of all of it? You know, I'm sure you've seen tons of people like that just crash and burn. What did you say? You said the biggest destroyer of wealth is divorce. Isn't that what you just <laughs> not, said? Not taxes, divorce. It's divorce. Yeah. It's, it's divorce. Yep. Nobody knows. Like everybody thinks, oh, biggest destroyer of businesses is just a failed business or cash flow problems. No, dude. The biggest destroyer of businesses is divorces. Look it up. Yeah. Nobody's talking about it. I think it went from like, you know, over, you can look at the trend from like the 50s, how, like people getting divorced and it just keeps going up, up, up. I think we're like 10, 15 years ago, it was like 52%. I think we're close to, the, you know, almost, somebody have to Google it, but it's higher. I think it's almost 60% of people get divorced. Yeah, I think it's 60. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane, man. So there's a huge gap right there and it, it tells you that uh, you've either been lied to or we're being fed the wrong information in school or they're telling us things or we're watching too many Hollywood stories. I think we're watching too many ho fake Hollywood stories. I think that's it. Buying into the wrong narrative. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Chris, we're coming up in an hour, man. We'll start to wrap this up. You're a very busy man. I'm, I know you got other stuff to do, but um, just one thing I want to ask you about, um, we talked a lot about marketing and branding, self-promotion at the Mastermind. Um, that's something that I'm not saying you're scared to do, but maybe you didn't see the importance of early on. Um, a lot of people came to know you from your time working together with Grant Cardone. And um, that, is that when you started to see the importance of having a personal brand? Absolutely. So, um I knew if I was going to get into the, the coaching space, I needed okay. to get known. And I, I knew that I, if I was going to get into you know, the wholesaling space and want to build a brand locally, I needed to, people to know who I am. So I think it, people grossly underestimate how powerful getting on camera is and telling the world what you do, how you do it, and how you can help them. We have this magical thing in our hands that has more power than – the, the whole rocket ship that we used in the 60s to fly to the moon and has yeah. more technology and we can reach the world for free, for free right now. I don't know how long that's going to go on with Zuckerberg and all his criminal guys that are working to censor everything. But as of now, we can still kind of talk about business. They'll, they'll, they'll probably start censoring what, what we can do talking about business here soon. Yeah. So, but my point is I digress, but you need to use social media 
to tell people who you are, what you do and how you're doing it. And what happens is you, you create a brand and you get organic leads. If everybody knows what you do and, and why you do it, you get a bunch of leads for free. Right. Yeah. That's what we talked about before we went to the mastermind. Everybody, if you're in business, no matter what business it's in, everyone needs to know what you do. Yeah. Right. That's the only way you can really grow organically. But it was definitely amplified when we went up there. You were talking about branding. Robert Sislo was talking about branding. Adrian was talking. Everybody talked about branding yourself, getting putting yourself out there. And it's something I'm uncomfortable doing. He was uncomfortable doing a little while ago. But we're slowly putting ourselves yeah. out there more. It's so. like anything else. The more you do it, the easier it becomes, right? You guys have this yeah. podcast. I'm sure every podcast you do, it's like, okay, it's just another day at the office. It's just part of what you got to do to run a business. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Robert Sislo kind of drove it home. I asked him, like, why why don't more people do the, get on social media and promote themselves? He said, there's probably three reasons. One, fear. Yeah. Two, they're hiding something. Three, they don't operate with an ethical code. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how you feel about that or if that makes I, any sense. Well, I, I think if you, if you don't have good intentions, people will see it and they'll feel it. And yeah. if you have a bunch of hidden secrets and you're not in, you know, you're, you don't have good intentions, I think you will naturally hold yourself back from reaching for your potential. If you're, if, if you're secretly a criminal or secretly somebody that's not doing the right thing, you will innately hide. So yeah. I think people that are reaching for their goals and dreams, I think they have the unique ability to naturally do the right thing because they're, they're, they're fearless in a sense that they have clean hands. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's, yeah. I have, that's why I reach so hard. Like, I know I'm not doing anything illegal. I know that I have good intentions. I know that I want, I know what I want. And, and I know that I'm not hurting anybody to do that. Well, I think that's awesome. Love it, man. Chris, you've dropped a ton of value for our listeners today and for us personally. Um, what's one bit of advice, you know, you, we call this thing, uh, how to scale your real estate business. I mean, maybe for the person that's just getting into uh, wholesaling and flipping, or they've been doing it for a year or two and they're looking to advance up. What's the one piece of advice you got for somebody like that? Go to chrisrude.com and book a call with me. <laughs> Skill up, baby. Skill up. Right there, right there. Skills get the deals, folks. No, I think, uh, you know, just, just work on yourself, guys. You, you, the things that you're going to learn from mentors, you'll never learn from college professors. You'll never learn from your high school, uh, you know, teacher. Jim Rome said it best. He says, formal education will make you a living. Um, yeah, he said, formal education will make you a living. Self-education will make you a fortune. Yeah. There has not been any truer words. And, and I have a college degree. I went through all that schooling and stuff. 90% of it is garbage, and it has no practical reality of theory behind it that actually helps you make money. It is, they just tell you a bunch of facts, useless facts that you'll never use. Yeah, I agree. I, want, I, I got a four-year degree. <laughs> so yeah. I got a degree I haven't used in years. Yeah, so. Yeah. So I'm gonna for a comment here, and we'll probably wrap it up. Jake's wife says some wives don't care about purses. Hey, honey. <laughs> <laughs> that's my that's my big mama right there. She's about five foot. She's a firecracker too. So <laughs> her and Patty would get along. That's for sure. I uh, love it, man. No, I mean, look, dude. If you don't love money, something's wrong with you. I mean, if they don't love purses. Then you know, get them fired up on the on the simple fact of making a lot more money. Anybody that tells you money doesn't make you happy. It's fucking lying to you because every time I make a big check, I get really happy. <laughs> no truer words have not have been spoken. That's right. 
Chris, thanks for doing this again, man. Go check out ChrisDrew.com. Learn more about his coaching business and how to skill up. Thanks again, yep. man. And follow, yeah, go ahead and follow me at Real Estate Root on Instagram and Chris Root Entrepreneur on Facebook. I do a lot of free content there. So, okay, love it, man. We'll see you at the next yeah. mastermind. See you in March, right? Yes, sir. Right. Take care. Right, Bye. Bye. Bye.